Welcome back to another episode of Peter's Proffer. And today is a straight up listener question that uh, my dad has a lot of experience with. And I've actually gone to some of these hearings with him. So it's been cool and handled some on my own, obviously, too. But some of the bigger, crazier ones I've, I've sat and watched him. Uh, we're going to talk about bail. We're going to talk how bail is set, what factors are taken into account. Do celebrities or rich defendants have a higher bail than poor defendants? Are there cases where they don't even allow bail, where you can't get out of jail while you await to see because you're presumed innocent until proven guilty? Uh, we're going to go through all those factors today. My dad's going to talk about some stories from other bail hearings he's been to. Um, we're going to explain what judges look at when determining what bail should be. Uh, it's going to be a fun episode, so thanks for the listener question. Keep them coming. Peter Tragos at GreekLaw.com. We're on all social media sites. We are at Tragos Law. Subscribe, like our podcast, like our Facebook page. It helps us out a lot to get uh, more of those followers and more of those listeners. So we appreciate you listening as always, and here we go. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about bail. We're going to also be talking about the bond system and bondsmen and things like that. But to start out just on the most basic level for non-lawyers and people listening and people that ask this question to us uh, via email and on social media, what is bail and like where did we come up with this system of bail? Well, the system basically, uh, who knows how far back it goes, but it started out with someone gets arrested and he has to guarantee he's going to show up for court. Well, how did that happen? I put up my farm, I put up my wheat crop, I put up my cattle, and if my son doesn't show up for court, they come and get my cattle. Uh, so this is the way it started. It's an insurance policy to make sure that you show up for court. So, so they put bail into place so that people don't just, it's not just the honor system like, okay, judge, I got arrested for theft. I'll be back next month, you know, for my hearing. And then they skip town and everybody's left just sitting there waiting for this guy to show up. Instead, now they take money from them to ensure they're going to show up and they hope people care about their money. So they're going to show up to court. And if you don't show up, not only do they take your money that you put up for bail, but they also still go out and rearrest you. So it's like, it's just collateral. That's basically right. what bail is. You're putting up collateral and in, in, for in turn, coming back to court and appearing in the case that you got arrested for. Whether you're innocent or guilty or whatever you're you know, going to plea to start the case, there's going to be a bail set. So when we talk about bail being set, how is it determined and who sets bail? Well, in a lot of counties, like Pinellas County, for instance, they have a bail bond schedule. Right. And that schedule says, all right, if it's a burglary, it's 5000 to 10000 If it's a, a murder, you get no bail. And it's a schedule, and it's by court order, ordered by the chief judge, so that when a sheriff's officer or a police officer brings someone into the county jail, they look at the schedule, the police officer can say he has some influence. He can say, look, this guy should be at the low end. This guy should be at the high end. Or there are special circumstances. You can say, look, when I arrested this guy, he said, as soon as I get out of bail, I'm going to go back and shoot the witness. Well, that's a special circumstance. So they probably would set no bail for that guy and he'd have to sit in jail. Capital offense like murder, there's never any bail. They do sit in jail. So there's some discretion until the next morning. 
Well, okay, so first let's start with that's that's another question. So there are certain cases where there's no bail at all. Yes. That means you have to sit in jail while you're waiting for your case. And there's some exceptions too. DUI is a particular exception. It's a very common crime. But no matter, even if you can post the bail for a DUI, which is normally a misdemeanor, maybe $500, they can't let you out until you blow in the breathalyzer and you are below that .08 level. So you have to stay in jail until your blood level comes down so you're sober enough to leave. And so another point of bail is in America, you're presumed innocent until proven guilty, right? So that's the point of the bail system. That's why we've put laws into place that let people go home while their guilt is being proven, right? Because they're still cloaked in that presumption of innocence. So why are there some cases that you you are given no bail even though you haven't been proven guilty yet? Well, there's first of all, the Constitution says that you're entitled to bail, Right. Generally. Exactly. And you can't give such a high number if it's as if it's akin to no bail. Right. But those exceptions that you're talking about, those are exceptions that have been carved out because of the danger of the community, that the public has to be protected. Because one of the factors that goes into what your bail is and how big your bail is and how much you have to pay is the fact that you have uh, committed a murder or you've committed a crime with a gun or, or you may have committed three murders before you got right. arrested for this one. So, so let's talk then for a second about the factors of coming up what, with what bail is. Okay, so one of, the, one of the things which you've already talked about is the bail schedules. The second part is the seriousness of the alleged crime, which you've just kind of talked about. If it's murder, if you've you know, injured somebody, if you've taken a million dollars versus if you stole $100, your bail is going to be different based on that. Um, what are some of the other things they take into account when they're, you know, they call it factors of what your bail amount will be. Let's distinguish between the schedule and the next morning when you appear before okay, a judge. Sure. So you, so first it's the schedule. Um, and, and basically even like the law enforcement officers that arrest you, they don't know what your bail is going to be. They pop it into the system. Something comes out. If you look up people's uh, mug shots or dockets, sometimes it'll have just the standard bail amount that was set the day you were arrested. Okay. So your bail is set the day that you're arrested. Then what happens the next day? Within In Florida, within 24 hours of your arrest, you've got to go before a judge. And when you go before the judge, the judge can change that bail amount. So let's say you have a $10,000 amount under the bond schedule, but you show the judge that you're you're not going to be well, a flight on. risk. Hold on, before you just like rattle off some reasons, let's talk about, so when when the judge is determining what that bail amount's going to be, they, they consider certain factors, right? And they're right. factors they have to consider. Yes. Okay. So now let's talk about what those factors are and sometimes the arguments you make when you go to these bail hearings. Right. There are like important factors and minor factors. Okay. The most important is flight risk. Meaning and, that you're not going to show up. Right. And danger to the community. Okay. Meaning if it's a if it's a heinous crime or a crime where you've already murdered or battered somebody, they don't want you to go out and do it again. Right. And the other factors that play into those two big ones are how long have you lived in the community? Uh, I remember Ties to the years ago when I was a, a prosecutor, we used to find out, did they have a, a telephone? Because <laughs> it, you were stable if you had a telephone line in your home. Now everybody's got a cell phone, so having a telephone doesn't matter. Right. But that used to be really important. Do you have family in the community that will support you and that will take care of you? Do and that will ensure you show up. Right. Do you <laughs> own property in the community? Um, have you, do you have the ability to pay a bond? Those are things they all take you know, look at and the crime itself. Did you pull a gun and actually shoot somebody? Or, in fact, did you just uh, take $500 worth of product off a store shelf? Right. And, and then also, isn't also the the 
evidence that the state already has that day against you come into play as well. Like yeah. if they have a video camera of you committing the murder, that's going to be a lot more of a chance you're not going to get bailed than if they just have one eyewitness or something well, like that. That's true. But keep in mind, we're talking about the first hearing the next morning after your arrest. That occurs by video. You will sit in the jail, look at a camera. The judge is going to be in the courtroom looking at you at a TV screen. If you have family and friends that support you, or an they'll, be, they'll be in the courtroom. The attorney normally is in the courtroom. So they're not with you. You're just standing there, you know, taking video. And a lot of times we will have the family or friends or witnesses come to the bail hearing and say, you know, if you have an alibi for somebody, they'll say, no, he was with me, whatever, to show that, you know, maybe for lack of a better term, proving their innocence, you know, within the 24 hours or the likelihood of innocence so that the judge may quote unquote, take it easy on them with what the bail amount is. And keep in mind also, the prosecutor knows very little about your case. He's just a duty prosecutor who showed up that day. Right. They have a probable cause affidavit, which is a simple fact situation written by the, uh, written by the law enforcement officer that arrested you. He'll read that to the judge. You present your side as a defense lawyer and the judge can lower the bond or even raise the bond. But if the bond is still so high and you still can't get out, your lawyer can still move for a bond hearing later on down the road and have another hearing before a judge and a prosecutor that knows more about your case. And that's when you can bring even more witnesses, and that's where the likelihood of your conviction comes into play more. Is yes. that that second bond hearing? The second bond hearing, right. Okay, so let's start, and we'll talk about both bond hearings, the, the one within 24 hours and the second bond hearing that you may or may not have. What can the judge actually do at that point? So, for instance, your bond's $10,000. What the, can the judge do with that bond? The judge can lower the bond to $10, or the judge can put you on what's called ROR, release on your own recognizance. Uh, what in, does that mean? In Florida, the judges are supposed to try to ROR people, release on their own recognizance, because it's the most cost-effective way. And it also means you don't have cash register justice, that only people with money can get out of jail, which is always a problem with bail. Right. So you, this ROR means you are supervised by the court. You're let out, and once a week you call the ROR office. You tell them you're still good. Um, you're not sometimes getting any there trouble. Are, sometimes there are conditions like you can't leave the state, or you know things like that. you can't well, leave the country. Ankle bracelet. Sometimes they say that you know you have to wear an ankle bracelet. Or there's another bracelet now called a scud, which is a bracelet that tells the court if you've been drinking, it sends an alarm to the court because the court said, you know, your, your crime has something to do with alcohol. Therefore, I don't want you to drink while you're out on bail. And if you do drink, I'm going to throw you back in jail. Right. The cam monitor. Right. Continue alcohol monitor. So, so, so yeah. So, the, so there are all sorts of different conditions when you're released ROR. Um, but when they actually set the amount, okay, so let's let's talk about this process for a little bit. So... You go to the bail hearing, they reduce your amount from 10000 to 5000 What are the ways that you can post that money so you can get out of jail while your case is ongoing? There are several ways. One is, and now again, we're only talking state court because the federal bond system is different. Right, let's just stick to okay. state court. In state court in Florida, you can take cash and you can go down to the sheriff's office and post the cash. Meaning, okay, so when you say that, right. you mean take $5,000 take it to the sheriff's office, give the sheriff's office $5,000, and then you get to go home. Correct. And then let's just take that for a second. So you post that. Let's say you go on throughout your case and you are not guilty at trial or the state drops all your charges. What happens to that $5,000? You will get all $5,000 back. Okay. So now let, do you have something else to say? Yes, okay. but let's say you are convicted. Oh yeah, that's the next question. So let's say you're convicted or you take a plea deal. 
what happens to that $5,000? That $5,000 will still be returned to you minus, if there are any fees and costs that from, come from or your fines. conviction or fines, it's taken out of the $5,000 and whatever. Let's say you have a $1,000 fine. You don't go to jail, but you got a $1,000 fine. $1,000 fine, $50 investigation cost from the law enforcement agency, $100 cost for something else. All that money, the thousand dollars, the fifty dollars, the one hundred dollars, is taken right out of that five five thousand, right. and you just get what you get. What's right. left over? And and I know you stop when we talk about cash, but that applies to anything, any bond that you post, other than what's called a surety bond. Right. So if you you can go down there with a money order for the five thousand, you you can't do a personal check. Oh, you can't. Okay, you cannot do a personal well, you can do check. Just cash, cash, money orders, um, cashiers' checks. Uh, bank checks, so anything, but not that, anything that's not going to bounce. Right. right. And now in Florida, we have credit cards online where you can actually post up to twenty five hundred dollars, or you can wire money. I don't know if the I don't know if the county takes wires. Really? Yeah. I don't know. If, I've never had a situation where they took a wire. I would think they would. Just anything no. that's immediate and automatic. But, I would think, but they, yeah, I don't know. But they do take now online credit cards. Okay. That's a new system that they've set up. Okay. So, and yeah, a lot of people don't know that, that, you know, once you take a plea deal, they think they can get on this. Because some people can get on payment plans where they pay like a hundred bucks a month and they think they're going to get their $5,000 back. But a lot of times it just gets automatically applied to whatever your fines and, and things like that are. Uh, and sometimes the fines can be more than whatever your bail was. So, so you know, sometimes they'll just automatically apply your $5,000 and you still may owe another $5,000 if you have a $10,000 fine. Or if you have restitution, they can apply it to restitution as well. Like if you defrauded the government out of $10,000 and you only have a $5,000 bond, usually bond is... So let, let's talk about that for a second. Do you have a lot of... Oh, we'll, we'll do stories at the end. So um, next, let's talk about bondsmen. So how do they... You talked about a surety bond earlier... So one way that you can post the bond is you go pay the total amount, the $5,000 to the sheriff's office by a money order or whatever. What is another way that you can post that bail amount? Well, we have a system of bondsmen now in this country. Uh, it started back in the 19th century in San Francisco. A couple of guys owned a bar. A bunch of lawyers used to drink at the bar. Those guys used to post the bail for their lawyer buddies who used to drink. The guys who owned the bar started to realize, you know, we can make some money. So they started charging a fee. And then they closed their bar and opened up in the same location the first bonding agency, charging a fee. And the fees used to be whatever the guy wanted to charge. Now it's more regulated. And in Florida, if you go to a bondsman, they are actually people that are, are underwriters for insurance companies. Because basically it's insurance that you're going to show up to court. You go to that bondsman. The bondsman takes a 10% fee in state court. In federal court, it's 15%. So if you post a $5,000 bond, they take a $500 fee that you'll never see again. Then you give them security for the other $4,500. It could be the title to a car. It could be your house. Something of value that they will accept. They then will run down to the sheriff's office, and they will post the uh, the $5,000. And do they actually have to post that amount of money? No, they're registered bondsmen, and they have an insurance policy. Exactly. Already registered with the sheriff's office so that the sheriff's office knows they're going to get their money because the insurance company is going to do it. So if you don't show up, the insurance company, and then the insurance company goes after the bondsman, and the bondsman out of his pocket has to pay that $5,000 if you don't show up for court. That's when the bondsman goes out like dog. We, we used to the see on TV, dog the bond. That's why it's kind of vigilante justice. Bondsman actually can go out and grab you off the street and take you back and throw you in jail. So did you already talk about the, how you put up the 10%? Yes, the okay. 500 so, to the 5,000. So what happens? So, so let's say you're not guilty and you put up the $500. 
What happens to your $500 you paid the bondsman? That fee is the bondsman's fee for ensuring you're going to show up and for posting the 5000 It's gone. You never get it back. Forget it. Right. You, it, it's gone. So what happens if you're guilty? You gave the bondsman $500. They posted the, the bail amount for you. Does that $500 get applied then to your fines and your costs? No, 500 is gone. So it, it's the fee. It's, it's in the bondsman's pocket. Right. So you still have to pay all of those court costs, fines, everything like that. It's not you know, $1,000 minus the 500 you've already paid, that 500 is basically gone no matter what happens. So while it's cheaper to pay 10% to the bondsman, you're going to lose that money versus if you post the full bail amount, you may get it back or may apply it to fines or costs that you have in the future. Yeah, People also sometimes forget that when they post with a bondsman, the bondsman also has some control over your life because he's put up the money for you to stay out so of you jail. So have, you have the government regulation or the state regulations that may say you can't leave the state, you can't leave the country, but the bondsmen can have their own uh, regulations on you, especially with how much money they may be putting up for you because they don't want to take the chance to lose their money. Absolutely. So, so. It's, it's literally them losing money if you don't show up to court at this point. So they're going to do everything they can to make sure you show up for your hearing. Um, okay, so let's talk about a, a couple different scenarios, stories, things like that, but... One of the questions was posed to us as a lot of these celebrities, um, like the the celebrity kids getting into school with the huge million dollar bail amounts and things like that. Does how much money you have come into play for the bail that they set for you? Meaning if you're super rich or a celebrity, is it going to be a higher amount because they may think, well, 10,000 bucks to them is no big deal. They could still leave even though they posted $10,000. We need to make it a million dollars because it's a lot less likely that they'll flee. Oh, ab- absolutely. Because if they have the ability to flee, uh, for instance, uh, you've got individuals that could live in Europe for the rest of their lives. Or with the already, money own, they have. already own houses in Europe. Or, so, you know, you're rich. So, gosh, you know, there's a good chance you could skip. So we're going to make a higher bail to make it less likely that you're going to skip. And the people that, that don't have money, you know, well, $500 say, so is a lot and, of money. And yeah. so the next question is that works the opposite way, too. So somebody that, you know, uh, uh, steals a car or something, you set their bail at $100,000. Some lawyers make arguments that that's akin to no bail for them because there's no way they're ever going to be able to even afford 10% of that. And that can be built into the argument as to lowering a bail amount so that they can scrape together $1,000 so maybe lower their bail to 10000 so that they actually can have some ability to pay it. Right. And there's another factor, too, we talk about the money. In economic crime... All right, you stole or accused of stealing $500,000 from a company. A lot of judges will look at that and yeah. set your bail at $500,000, exactly. yeah. even we though you have the presumption the of innocence. Yeah, we have that happen all the time. So they'll freeze your assets or they'll have no, ev- no real, I shouldn't say no real evidence, not hard evidence that you did steal this money, yet that's your bail amount. And no matter what it looks like you have in the bank, they're still going to leave it at that amount and, and basically punish you for the amount you're accused of stealing. And another thing that, stepping back a minute, people need to realize when that bond is posted in in Pinellas County, let's say, you don't get out the minute it's posted. Right. The paperwork sometimes takes three to five hours. So you could sit in that holding cell or sit in jail for hours and hours and hours before all the paperwork gets done before they release you. Because we've had all sorts of instances throughout this country where the wrong guy gets released. So they make sure they're releasing the right guy and they make sure that they have all the paperwork properly there. So don't think you, you go to a bondsman, you give the bondsman the $500. It still could be four or five hours before you're out of jail. 
Okay, so let's talk about any stories you've had at bail hearings, whether it's the 24 hours after or a future bail hearing. What, what have you seen kind of happen that's interesting or cool in court? Well, one of the things is, um, and, and we haven't distinguished, but I want to distinguish it for a second, state versus federal bonds. In federal court, they actually don't use a bondsman anywhere near as much as they do in state court. And when you see, you mentioned the million-dollar bond, those people didn't walk in there and pay a million dollars. They probably signed a piece of paper promising to pay a million dollars. And that's what happens in federal court. But in federal court, they are more likely to put special conditions on your bond. And one of the, uh, one of the I've had many unusual circumstances. One of the most unusual was a, a very wealthy guy, and he's charged with soliciting minors over the Internet. And his bond would have been huge. In fact, he might not even have gotten a bond in state court. In federal court, the only way they let him out is if we had to hire a private police force, basically have a policeman with him 24-7, and he's restricted to his home. So we went out, and I got a, uh, a uh, retired federal law enforcement officer. And I got him to assemble a team of former federal law enforcement officers. And we went and presented this to a magistrate and said, look, these guys are going to live in his house. They're going to be with him 24-7 to ensure he shows up in court. And that convinced the judge that it's okay to release this guy, let him go back and live in his house. Now, that's a situation where it was a very wealthy guy. And he could afford big money to hire full-time security to watch him. If he'd have been someone that didn't have any money, no way in the world he would have gotten out. So I, I know one that we've also had um, where we went in state court and the bond was like a million dollars. It was another uh, theft case where they were accused of stealing a million dollars, accused of being the linchpin in this operation. We have the bail hearing. The judge, we, a lot, we have a lot of evidence that shows they're not, in fact, the linchpin. They're not involved at all or they had no idea this was even going on. The judge only reduced the bail to $750,000, I think was the number. Our client posted the the 10%, and then six months into the case, all charges are dropped after we do depots and prove that they had nothing to do with it, yet she still lost the $75,000 that she had to post. So it's just because you see a big bail number on a criminal case does not mean that that person is more likely to be guilty or that yeah. they didn't make a mistake or that they're not going to drop the charges altogether. Those are the saddest cases. The case where someone is actually innocent and eventually proved innocent, but they can't recoup the seventy-five thousand bond, and, or, they, and they don't have seven hundred fifty thousand to post the full amount. That's or, why those numbers are crazy. Or the sad, or even sadder, somebody who can't afford the bond and they sit in jail, right? And they have to sit in jail for six months until the state drops the charges. They get out. They've got no recourse because you can't sue the, the state. You can't sue uh, really anybody. So you. And that one had a combination where you had, they had to sit in jail for a while, then they posted the amount, and then they get out, and they still lost that amount, even though they were completely innocent of the charges. Right. So any other stories that come to mind about you know things that have happened in bail hearings or that you've seen or heard or been a part of? Well, I've also been a part of bail hearings where uh, someone has posted a bond, and they're out, and the uh, state attorney's office arrests them for a second charge. When they're arrested for a second charge, they come back in, they're violated on their first bond, so they lose that one. They've got now a second charge. They want to post bond for the second and the first one, and, the, and they're required to post a new bond for the first one, a new bond for the second one, in order to get out of jail. And then all charges are dropped, and they lost all their money. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's I guess, the, the good and bad of the bail system is we— 
provide an opportunity for people that can't post the full amount to be able to still get out while their case is ongoing, but they still lose the money even right. if they're innocent. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Well, well that's why the federal system is really a better system. But the bondsmen have a very strong... The federal system, I guess, just lets you be more creative in how you right. set up a case-by-case basis of how somebody should be let out. Right. And the federal system is more likely to let you put up a piece of property right. in exchange or have other people come in and sign for you as surety saying that if they don't show up, I will pay this bond, like your mother, your father, or, or a good friend. I've had a, had a situation where I did have a million-dollar bond uh, with a guy uh, from Panama. And he, of course, you know, he wasn't a citizen of this country, but he was a very wealthy guy and had very wealthy friends in Florida. Somebody actually came, one of his friends, and actually posted a million dollars in cash in order for him to get out of jail. Yeah, I bet he made sure he showed up for all of his hearings. He, stuff, he did, and he was found not guilty at trial. So the guy got the million dollars back, and he got to go back to Panama. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's kind of how the bail system works. I think it, it makes sense that we need to find a way for people to be able to get out since they're presumed innocent. I think it makes sense also to have some collateral to make sure they show up for, for their hearings. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a very interesting system. I think that's why we probably got a lot of questions on it. So hopefully everybody enjoyed the topic, enjoyed the conversation. Feel free to let us know what else you guys want to hear about at Tragos Law, or you can email me, Peter Tragos at GreekLaw.com.